Go ahead and turn in your Bible. We're going to jump in here in just a moment. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 tonight. If you have your Bible, which I pray that you do, whether it's digital, on your phone, whatever it is, grab those Bibles. Mark 10 is where we're going to go. But we're going to, I was talking to uh, Brother Glenn Miller just uh, last week. He got back into town and he and I met for breakfast and we were talking about spiritual gifts. We're going to either take uh, uh, maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm not sure yet, or even maybe a Saturday, for anybody interested in taking a spiritual gifts test. How many have ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Can I just kind of look around? About about 30% maybe, and that's... I took one back not long after I got saved, and you know I'd only been saved, I think, like six months, and so I didn't even really know what spiritual gifts were. I was just excited to be following Jesus, you know? And uh, I got done, and pastor was right up here, kind of like same type of stage as this, and I was sitting on the front row right there. I'd been ushering and came and sat down and took my test, and, and I was just completely amazed because I had every gift, <laughs> except for celibacy. <laughs> I was like, praise God he didn't give me that one, amen? Celibacy is a spiritual gift according to the Word of God. So he looked at me and laughed because he kind of walked past as people were finished. And he said, well, which ones are your strongest? And I said, I've got them all. And he just looked at me and said, you are the body of Christ, brother. <laughs> so we're going to do that this fall because really amazed. I was talking to somebody a few months ago, and this is how it all ties together. I was talking to somebody a few months ago, and they were kind of seeking the will of God. I said, well, what's your gift mix? And they kind of looked at me, and I said, well, what are your spiritual gifts? God said in his word that he would give all of us something that we can serve him and give back to him. And, and there's a mix of personality that God created you very uniquely and a mix of gifts that he puts inside of you that he didn't put in anybody else. And it's beautiful when we find those and begin to operate in them. So I'm excited about this fall. we got our Bible study Friday night. If you're able to, I heard they had a great time this past Friday. Come this Friday. It's a salad theme. So get your best salad and come and feast on fellowship and the word of God. Amen. So let's turn to Mark 10, and, and I'm going to read 11, uh, Hebrews 11:6 to get started. This is the verse that's been on my heart for a few days, but it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And I'm going to read this passage. It's a bit more than I usually read, but I want to wrap our minds around the context of this passage here in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, if you'll read along with me. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise up, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus on the road. Father, for these next few minutes and moments as we partake of your holy word, I pray that you would help me. Lord, you said the Holy Spirit would be our comforter, but also our helper to lead us and guide us into all truth. So, Father, 
As always, anything that's said of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But what is said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, may it go into the hearts of these precious men and women of God to grow fruit of, in our lives, God, hundredfold increase in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. My title tonight is, Do You Want Dignity or Do You Want Deliverance? Because we see in this story that this man could have continued to stay in the condition that he was in, but he laid aside some things in order to receive what Jesus desired to give to him. And that brings me to my first thought tonight that I kind of want to set the stage and wrap your mind around, but it's this. It's called the principle of perspective. Everybody say perspective. The principle of perspective is how you perceive determines how you will receive. The principle of perspective is how you see something or how what you see determines how you will receive. Or maybe this is a better way to put it. You get you you what you see is what you get. How many have ever heard that? Especially when you're buying something off a of Facebook marketplace. Come on, somebody. This principle not only applies to life, it applies to our relationship with God. So in other words, the God that you see is the God that you get. If the God that I see is the God that can save me, that's the God I get. If the God that I see is the God that can save me, set me free, deliver me, and heal me, then that is the God that I get. Come on, somebody. Are you tracking with me? What we see is what we perceive, and sometimes we're spiritually blind, and we don't really see what Jesus is coming and doing. And I want to tell you what season we're in, and we've been in it for a while. The season we are in is Jesus is passing by his church. Amen? And I'm afraid that oftentimes Jesus is coming close and we can miss him if we are still operating in spiritual blindness. Let me give you an example of this. Because in the scriptures, Jesus goes into the synagogue in his hometown and he's teaching them from the word of God, doing it in a powerful way and doing it uh, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did they see? What In the scriptures it plainly says that they said, wait, isn't this the carpenter's son? And it said he could not do many miracles even in his hometown because of their unbelief. Because if you look at Jesus and only see a carpenter, then yeah, you can get your house fixed. But if you see Jesus the way Jesus wants you to see Jesus, you can see a Savior that can deliver, heal, and change you. Everybody say change. Change. God is an agent of change in our lives, but we have to see him and perceive him of who he really is because God is a change specialist. Amen. He is. He's a God that wants to see us change. The God we serve is a change specialist. He specializes in fixing what previously could not be fixed. So if you have something inside of you that the Holy Spirit is beginning to nudge on and beginning to draw out and say to you, I want this to change, I want to tell you that there is a possibility for change, but you have to see Jesus in the correct light because Jesus is a change specialist. It's his expertise. It is what he is the best at is drawing something out that we can look at. And let me tell you tonight, it's not just if you say God wants to change me. Because he wants to change the bad things. I mean, of course he does. He wants us to repent and he wants us to lay aside things that would hinder us or weigh us down. But can I tell you, we oftentimes get caught up in the good things. Come on. 
and, and hang on to some things that are good when really what God wants us to do is to lay a hold of what is best. When I took my car to the mechanic right around the corner, wasn't my car, it was my son's car. I had a few things to fix and he called me up and he said, hey, you know, this isn't a big deal. We're just really busy, but I'm going to send this out because I can't find the electrical problem. We're going to send it out to a specialist. So we need to understand that God is an expert at, at helping us identify the change, to see what needs to be changed, and also helping us to change. Why is this important? It tells me that Jesus came to do much more than just give me eternal life. He came to give me a changed life. Amen? The gospel isn't just that, hey, come into relationship with Jesus and live the way you want. The gospel is come into relationship with Jesus because Jesus has a much more beautiful, wonderful, awesome life than what you are experiencing and living right now. Because the Bible says clearly that life in God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And anything that we're experiencing and anything that we're living that doesn't line up with that, God wants to come in and change it and get us to a place where He can show us the path of life. Show us, church, how to change. Because faith rests not only on a revelation of just God's existence, but can I tell you tonight, change rests on a revelation of who God is. We read the scripture in Hebrews 11 just a moment ago. It says we must believe that He is... And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to understand the truth about God of what his nature is and who he really is. Because God wants us to understand one very important thing tonight. Simple but powerful and we forget it all the time. God is good. We must believe that he is. He is what? God is for you. God is good. And God is willing, if we're willing to lay aside some things that may hinder us, God is willing to change us. Because I want to tell you tonight, when everything's up, God's still good. When it's rock bottom low, God is still good. When it's topsy-turvy, God is still good. He's a good God. And he has good plans and good future for you. But I have found that oftentimes we can become, because the story of blind Bartimaeus isn't just a story about a blind man 2,000 years ago. It's a story of you and I. It's a story of our lives sometimes when God wants to bring change into our lives. And if I'm not rooted in the truth that God is good and that He is a change specialist and He desires for you and I to not just change the things that we know are bad about us, but maybe even change things that we think are good, because God's not going to let us settle for halfway or second best. He wants the best for His children. If I'm not rooted in the truth that God is a change specialist and that God is good, and here's what happens, and this is probably where blind Bartimaeus was, and we've all been there. Year after year, I'm still blind and I'm still begging beside the road. How could I believe that God's good when my situation is still the same that it was last year and the year before and the year before that? And we all become like blind Bartimaeus because if we allow our outer circumstances to dictate who we believe God to be, church then we begin to allow our faith to be affected, we allow our peace to be affected, we allow our joy to be affected, and we're no longer living in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit of God. 
Why? Because we're sitting beside the road, we're blind, we're begging, and we think that that's all there is to life. And I came to tell you tonight, God has so much more for us. But it takes sometimes that our dignity that's holding us back, we've got to lay aside some of that, lay it off, and understand that God... Listen, some of the most radical changes that have ever happened in my life have been preceded by a season of divine disappointment or, or, or divine frustration. Anybody else in here? You, you say, I don't understand why I'm in the place I am. Maybe God's getting you to the place where you become so frustrated that you're finally willing to lay aside your dignity and finally go after God with all of your heart. Church, these altars should be filled on Sunday morning. God is moving. And the ones that I see getting changed are the ones that say, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I'm going to give my all to God. I'm going to worship Him with abandon. Like blind Bartimaeus. Everybody, yeah, shush, shush, shush. Be quiet. You're you're disturbing. Listen, I want you to know, I don't want you to get weird, because I will confront you. I will. But I do want you to come in here with an understanding that we're all blind Bartimaeus at times. We're all in a place where we don't really see, because the God that we perceive is the God that you will get. And if you perceive that He doesn't really want to have anything to do, that He's probably going to pass me by again, He's probably just going to ignore this situation in my life, then that is what we will get because you're operating in unbelief and we can't pretend that we can operate in unbelief and see God do anything in our lives. It requires faith. Faith in what? Faith in yourself? No, faith in God and who He is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently and earnestly seek Him. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Blessed are those who trust in Him. Because there's always a gap, right? I don't know about your life, but I read my Bible and I say, ah, that's for me. And there's always that gap between where I'm at and where I want to be. Why is it that sometimes there's a gap between the life I see in Scripture that's possible and the fact I'm sitting alongside a road in a dusty town still begging for my livelihood. The Scripture we just read has a few hidden things in there that I want to pull out tonight that I believe will help us. We started reading in the middle of the story, and this is a chaotic story in Mark 9, 10, and on into 11. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on at this time in Jesus' ministry. And if you look past the details of the passage, and tonight I want to look at the root of what's really going on. You see, if you read this and you keep going, you would be like, all those other people had walked by for years and years and years, right? All those other people had just passed by, by blind Bartimaeus and had probably shown kindness, I assume. and gave him a few crumbs, right? Maybe a few pennies here, blind Bartimaeus. This will help you cover your rent. Here, this will, you know, I wonder sometimes how we as believers rely on the sustenance of a world system when God said he'd be the one to take care of us. Rely on what the crumbs that the world can get. I have a new puppy, many of you know that, and he's driving me absolutely crazy. And I figured something out about dogs. Dogs do not love you. Dogs love bacon. Because God forbid I would expire in my living room, both my dogs would probably feast on me. Come on, y'all. And then they would move next door because they have bacon. Thank you. 
And I'm amazed because what he's doing, and I've noticed this, is whenever I'm eating something and walking through the house, whatever it is, I was eating a granola bar last night, just walking through the house, and a little tiny crumb fell off, right? And he just, and then just stayed right beside me, just, and listen, I wonder how long, like blind Bartimaeus, we just subsist on crumbs that fall. Jesus even dealt with the, the, the woman, the Canaanite woman, when she came and She's like, hey, I need something from you, Jesus. And he said, salvation is of the Jews. No. Testing her. She said, even the little dogs get a crumb from the master's table. Sometimes we can get past what we think Jesus doesn't want to do because he does. But sometimes he's testing to see how desperate we are. Come on, somebody. If I could just get this church to stir up some desperation in the season that we're in. I'm talking desperate. Listen, I've cried out more to God for my family in the last year and a half than I ever have before. And, and some of you have gotten so, some of you have gotten so weary and well-doing, and that's why I preached the way I did last week about endurance. You, you just have to keep, listen, you just have to keep on keeping on sometimes. You see, when people looked at blind Bartimaeus and they saw what? They saw the problem, right? When people look at you, oftentimes they only see the problem. And then we become defined by our problems rather than faith in who God said we could, should, and would be. Because it says that He is, because I want to remind you tonight that who He is is the great I Am. Which means God is already here, and He's already in your past, and He's already in your future, because God doesn't exist in space and time and matter. He exists outside of it. He created it all, so He's constantly there, everywhere, all at once. So he's already in your situation. He's already working for you. The blind problem is something you can see, but it's being driven by something you can't see. Okay? Blind Bartimaeus, they could see that he was blind, but it was probably driven by something they couldn't see. He didn't listen, he didn't have an eye problem, and neither do you tonight. You have a faith problem. Are you hearing me? So something that they could see was probably being driven by something they couldn't see, and the answer is always faith. Very often problems that we can see are being driven by something we can't. What did everyone see? They saw blindness. But blindness isn't fixed by trying to fix the blindness. It's fixed by getting people to Jesus so that he can fix the brokenness that you can see. I'll say it again. Are you listening to me tonight? Blindness isn't fixed by trying to fix the blindness. That's what we do. We come to people and we say, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit, right? Do, 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 and don't, 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 don't. When really what we should be focused on doing is leading people into a life relationship with Jesus. That's why I don't get so concerned about whether somebody comes to faith in Christ. They begin to follow Him in spirit and in truth. They begin to get into the Word. They begin to plug into church. And they walk... Start Repent is a moment where you repent and put your faith in God and you're born again, right? Very clearly it's repent. Peter said repent and be converted. The be converted part is a journey that you go on where I've discovered about my life I still have blind spots. I still have places that God's trying to work out of me, little attitudes and little things. But I've been here long enough, and this is why I'm in just a season of watching God do what He's doing in some of your all's lives, because I've known you for six years now, and I'm like, wow, God. No offense, but I didn't think some of you would ever get it. I didn't. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever get it. 
God is so patient, isn't he? And this man just sat by the road year after year because everybody could say, well, that's, I mean, that was his name. Don't let the enemy name you something that isn't true about you because it'll stick. That's why I am careful about even, and you guys, if you know me really well, you're like, no, you're not. I'm careful about even some of the jokes that I give or some of the things that that we tag people as, you know. Because they're who God says they are. He was Bartimaeus, a child of God, a son of the promise. He was an Israelite. He was a Jew. Look back at verse 47 with me and we'll break this down a little bit. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Look back this way. When he heard. When he had heard what? When he had heard the crowd begin to come and people talking, hey, it's Jesus. Jesus is coming by. When he had heard it was Jesus, surely his mind would have gone back to a place called Bethsaida, where in Bethsaida, Jesus took a blind man by the hand and led him out of town, which is a whole other sermon in itself. God gave me a revelation on years ago on the mission field. Led him out of town and out of everything that was, was usual and everything that was comfortable. Some of you are getting led out of your comfort zone, and I say, come on, Jesus. Because it's outside of our comfort zone that God can restore true vision. And that's what I'm talking about tonight, is God has new vision, new calling, new purpose, new level of worship, new anointing, and new things for you. Are you desperate enough to get a hold of it? Because only the desperate really get a hold of what God desires sometimes. It takes a a, a place of holy desperation to say, God, don't pass me by. But he had heard about this man who had been healed. And listen, hearing about what Jesus can do is far different from experiencing what Jesus can do. Our whole world has heard about, most of all the world has heard about Jesus and what he can do. But listen, I want to experience his miracles. I want to experience His goodness. I want to experience His glory. I want to experience these parts of God. Why was He sitting there? Probably because He began to make really good excuses like we do. Well, Dad was, Dad was a really bad alcoholic. It just comes naturally, right? Oh, my parents were this or this one was that. Or, hey, you just don't know how I was raised, Pastor. I told somebody here just uh, two weeks ago. And I said it in love, but I said it very bluntly. I said, I've been all around this world. I've ministered to all kinds of people with all kinds of faces and all kinds of problems. I've been blessed to do that. I looked at him and I said, I know people halfway across the world that would be killing life with the cards you were dealt. Come on, somebody. I have to remind myself of that all the time. There are people that have been dealt a much worse hand than anybody else in this room, but they don't sit around feeling sorry for themselves like a blind Bartimaeus. They're going to get a hold of God and see what God can do in a person's life who just begins to cry out to him. Because it says that when he began to shout, listen, there's something about just casting off what anybody else. And, and they're telling him, shush, 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 be quiet, be quiet. He's like, so he got even louder. Listen, some of you just might need to get more undignified than what you are right now. Because I've never seen anybody dignified ever receive anything from God. Let me rephrase that. Especially since I'm dignified now that I'm 50, okay? (laughs) Since I've crossed that threshold, it's all dignification, if that's a word. 
I'm saying that there's times in my life where there's a holy desperation, and that's such a good thing. That's what we see. Blind Bartimaeus is you and I in those times when you don't even, listen, when you don't even know what to say, when you don't even know what to pray. And oftentimes we just come with the whole flowery thing, right? Well, Lord, I just have a few. And it's like Jesus is like drumming his fingers on the table. When are you going to be real with me? (laughs) If you don't think you can be real with God, read the Psalms. Just read them. I mean, they were pouring their heart out, and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we see that, and we say, God, I can be honest with you and honest about the condition I find myself in. And this was a time Jesus was passing by. In church, we can either have dignity or we can have deliverance, but you can't have both. He wasn't going to be denied. Verse 48. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what I see there is is a little bit of frustration and honesty, right? A little bit of, I'm going to preach in James probably next Wednesday, so I invite you to come back, that the Bible says to be angry and sin not. There's some things that the church needs to get angry about. In the culture and world we're in, I'm going to talk about that next week, Lord willing. It's okay to be angry. In other words, a holy anger and frustration, as long as it doesn't lead into a place of sin, is a good thing. Because we should be angry at, at what we see the enemy doing right here in our own backyard. So in other words, if we will reveal it in honesty, God will heal it. But Jesus says, I can't fix what you won't face. There's no conquering without the confronting of the things that we will not face in our lives. You ever had had anybody tell you just quit with that Jesus stuff? (laughs) I did. Man, you're, 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 you're too radical. You're too... Yeah, you can cool. You can chill this out a little bit. I don't want to chill out. I want to be more undignified. And notice this. And Jesus does this in all of our lives too. Think of this. Again, the God you perceive is the God you will receive. Because if you don't believe that he can heal you, guess what? You're probably not going to get healed. And I'm not discounting just miracles. I'll tell you a testimony one time of in Bible school, we, about 10 of us, went and prayed for a man with cancer and saw him radically healed. And we thought, man, he's going to get saved. He's like, nope. Imagine that. Jesus, in this story, used what he could do in order to fix what he couldn't. Jesus, in this story, what could he do? He could hear. He couldn't see, but he could here. So if you'll quit focusing on all the things that are wrong with yourself, come on, and focus on what is right, because Jesus is going to use what is right to fix what is wrong. Jesus is going to fix the, he's going to take the places that he has healed to help fix the places that you're still operating in dysfunction or unforgiveness or whatever it may be tonight. You see, the blind man coming closer to Jesus physically can also be a metaphor for us coming closer to Jesus spiritually. 
And there are some things that will never get altered in your life or my life until we come really close to Jesus. God will use circumstances. He will use situations to drive you closer to him because there are aspects of of you that you never realize that God can fix until you came close to his presence and close to his glory. Verse 50, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man saying, be of good comfort, rise up. You know, you could read that and and absolutely miss the power of what just happened in that one statement. They're saying to him, he's calling you. In other words, hey man, it's your lucky day. Let me read the verse again. And casting away his garment... He rose up and came to Jesus and answering Jesus said to him, What do you desire that I do for you? Let me ask you this in the story. The reason I say we read right past that, and I'm going to use my my thing here from, uh, sorry Connor, from my graduation. It's the only thing I had. I had a tallit in my office and I can't find it. I blame Leah. And she still says she doesn't know. Let me ask you a question in that story. Right here where where it says these words. And casting away his garment, he rose up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said to him. Had the blind man said anything to Jesus. Now remember, he's off in the distance. He's alongside the road. Jesus is passing by and almost past him. And the man's either in front of him or behind him. We don't know from the story. But he's crying out. But he has not said anything to Jesus. So Jesus, answering him, said to him, casting off his garment. I mean, I've had some people excited to see me, but nobody's ever cast off. George, when I came in tonight, brother, I was excited to see you, but I didn't start taking my garments off, right? Thank God. So there has to be more to the story because Jesus answering him but yet he hadn't said anything to Jesus directly. What is going on in the story? What is going on in the story is, is, is beautiful and profound because what he would have been casting off was the very thing that provided food on his table and a roof over his head and sustenance, and it was literally his entire life was to sit alongside the road and to beg alms. Now, if you wanted to beg alms in first century Palestine in the Jewish culture and the Jewish people, if you said, I'm disabled and I can't work, then you had to go before the, the, the religious leaders and you had to be tested on that. And they would give you a license to beg. These people were literally professional beggars because they had been given permission to do that. Now, if somebody's blind, to give them a little card that says, I'm allowed to beg, please give me something, would have been dangerous, right? Because if you take your hand off of it, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to take it from you, right? So what they did for blind people is they had a special tallit, which was a Jewish prayer garment that they wore. It was the, it's what the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. It's the tallit. That's the the Jewish prayer shawl. So Jesus answering him, yet he hadn't said anything, 
But what this man did was he stood up and took off the very thing that was providing for him, the very thing that would have been his identity. He took it and it says that he cast it aside. Now what's the problem? If you're a blind man, you have a license to beg and you had a different tallit. He was throwing away his license to beg before Jesus ever did anything for him. Are you beginning to see how faith operates? Faith operates when we, in a step of faith, begin to cast off anything that would hold us back. And listen, oftentimes we think we're going to cast off something bad. Can I tell you, in churches, in families, in people's individual lives, a lot of times what he's calling to cast aside is something that is even good. It's just getting in the way of what the best that he has for us sometimes. When Jesus heard him. You see, we think that, that, that just our words is powerful. Can I tell you, it's not just what you say, it's what you do that matters to God. He said, I am going to take this off and cast it aside. You say, what does that have to do with me tonight? Let me tell you. Everything that we are holding on to, something that that Jesus wants us to lay aside in order to get a fresh touch from him. The story is about those critical moments in all of our lives, church, where we have to make a hard decision to cast off a former identity. That was his identity. And some people are so hung up in what everybody else has said about you, you're not willing to cast that off. Are you hearing me tonight? He would even, for you to receive the identity God wants to give you and to create in you and to make you who He wants you to be and the purpose that He's called you to be, sometimes you've got to cast off an old identity. This is a story about people who say, I want what Jesus has for me so bad, I'm willing to lay down my license to do something else in order to follow Him with my whole heart. It's desperation. It's, it's, it's I, I'm not worried about What other people think, God, I'm worried about what you think about me. And I'm worried about how you believe I live my life and what you want me to do. It's not just a story about people. I believe it's even a story about churches. Churches hold on to old identities, don't they? Oh, boy, they do. When God is a God that that wants to move his church forward into the future, sometimes we lay hold of something in the past and we get passed by and we never change because we're not willing to step out and do something that God's calling us to do in the season that we're in right now. So if you're willing to lay off things and willing to change, God has a miracle for everybody in this room. Listen, when you hold on to your old garments, it causes you to be spiritually blind. And you stay in the same place that you're in over and over and over again. You see, there is an exchange that takes place here. He exchanged what he had so that he could receive what he could never possess on his own. He exchanged what he had to receive what he could never receive or get on his own. That's a miracle working God that we serve. And can I tell you where the greatest miracle that ever happened in the history of the world happened was at the cross. (laughs) I got my identity of a sinner exchanged for one of righteousness because of the precious blood of Jesus. 
I lay, I lay aside my license to sin to live God, to follow God in a way that pleases him. I laid aside my old identity of who everybody thought I was to lay hold of my new identity of who I am in Christ. He was blind, but now he sees. And that's my testimony. Is is that your testimony? It's like they drug the one man in front of the, the religious council. And they're like, what happened? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, and now I'm found. I walked in here tonight sick, and God's fixing to heal me. I walked in here tonight dealing with all the junk of the world, and, and tonight I'm going to lay it at the altar in just a moment and see God do a divine exchange. God is always willing when we cry out to Him in desperation and see who, Him for who He really is. He wasn't going to continue to walk down the road and pass Him by. He wasn't going to continue to just move on and not stop for somebody that was desperate. And guess what? They couldn't call him blind Bartimaeus anymore, could they? Some people have tagged some of you with a label. Let me give you three quick things tonight. So it's leaving behind the old, laid off his license to beg, to lay hold of who God called him to be. Number one, Some change can't live until we identify what needs to die. Some change cannot take seed root in your life and begin to flourish in fruit until we identify what needs to die. Change doesn't come by what we start doing. Some change comes by what we stop doing. Amen? It's identifying what any of us in tonight that the Holy Spirit would lay his hand on, what we're willing to put off so that we can lay hold of what God has laid hold of us for. So, some new things can't start until old things stop. Simple. Number two, change often requires sacrifice. This man just gave up his whole livelihood. You see that? His entire livelihood was cast aside so that he could get vision, true vision from God restored. Think about this. The easy path would have just to continue to do what he was doing. Do you realize that's the easy path for you in your Christian life and your walk with Jesus? It's just, yeah, God, I'm good enough. Church, I don't want to settle for good enough. I don't want to settle for half victories. I don't want to settle for any of that. Sometimes we need to sacrifice stuff that's bad, and other times we even need to sacrifice some things that are good because you're you are in such a place of desperation that you don't want just good, you want great. Some change requires sacrificing what we want for what we need. Think of Abraham and Isaac, right? Abraham, take your son, thy only son, lay him up on the altar. I'll say this. There, has, there have been no major victories in this man's life, none, that God didn't require me to sacrifice something. David said, very clearly said, God forbid that I would offer something to the Lord God that would cost me nothing. I'm praying for these kids on Sunday. I just sense such a call on their lives. I sense so much purpose and destiny, and that's what I want to protect. Amen? Amen. 
that's what I want to rally around them as the, the, the seasoned saints in this church. And listen, God's opening the door. He wants us to rally around and pray a hedge of protection around these kids, to love on them, to continue to raise them up and, and pour into them so that we can see them do awesome and incredible things. But it's going to take a sacrifice. It will. You might have to sacrifice a Sunday or two to teach kids church. You might have to sacrifice something that you would look at and say, oh, this is what I would rather do to see what God wants to do. Number three, and I'm closing, change is possible because God is good and he's committed to our change. Amen? Amen. God is good. The God we see and perceive is the God we will receive. I promise you. You, you, get, what you, 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 you get what you see. God rewards those who diligently seek him in faith, not those who casually seek him in wonder and doubt. So seek God earnestly and seek God with expectancy. That's faith. It's not faith in your own will and desire. When God has spoken a word to you, we can be assured that God is faithful to complete it. Amen? Why don't you stretch out and stand up? I want to pray over you tonight and just acknowledge that the Lord has maybe laid. And Sarai, if you'd go ahead and come. Just come up here with me. Sarai's going to share in just a minute after we pray about Cairo's prison ministry. We've got a little video. We have some, uh, some things in the back that she wants to share about signing up. So as soon as I'm done, Sarai, you take, take it. And, let's, and you guys can sit back down after I'm praying. I got you to stand up to just wake up. Amen? <laughs> I'm, I'm super blessed that I'm such a peaceful man and voice that puts you to sleep. I am. I'm just, I'm honored by that. If you fall asleep in church, I don't care because I'm like, that may be the only real true peace and rest. That's a wild way for a pastor to look at it, but that's how I look at it. I do. I know that sounds crazy, but I know some of the battles y'all are fighting and you come in here and it's just like peace because peace is a person. And when we all come together, faith rises. Amen. Peace rises. Presence rises. I love it when we come together. You can leave here and be filled with God. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to want to ask this question. This is when I started studying. This is the, how I ended in my mind, and I went back. How many would say God has been calling you in this season to sacrifice something that you're just not sure that you really want to sacrifice? That's what I want to pray for tonight. Would you just shoot your hand up if God's been speaking to you? Amen. 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 I hit the, hit, the, hit the sweet spot of what God, I believe, has been dealing with us as a congregation, surely, but you individually. Could everybody just put your hands out in front of you right now? And this is the place where we place upon the altar that which we offer to God. Just like a little altar right there in front of you. So I want you to just in your, your, the, 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 the eyes of your heart, just envision placing that, that he's calling you to sacrifice right here in front of you and then I want you to just lift your hands a couple of feet just right up and say God Father we pray tonight that that which you're calling us to do that we would not draw back we would not balk we would not hesitate but Lord we would continually hear your voice calling out to us to come and to be healed to be restored and to be given fresh vision God Lord, as we repent from unbelief and we repent from not always following exactly the way that you desire, Lord, we thank you that you're so kind, you're so patient, you're so loving, you're so merciful, God. 
you continue to just call us deeper and call us to a new place. But Lord, tonight for myself and those who raise their hand, that God, we know what you're calling to sacrifice. Lord, we cast it aside tonight like blind Bartimaeus. Before you ever answer, God, before we ever know what the end result would be, Father, God, we tonight just lay it upon the altar and say, God, it's yours. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. We lay it down so that we can receive fresh vision. God, I pray over this church for myself, the leadership, and every heart that is joined here and planted in this church. God, give us fresh vision for Homosassa, Florida, God. Give us fresh vision for the nations of the world. Give us fresh vision. And Lord, where we've gone blind, restore sight tonight, Father. We know you're faithful to do it, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Be seated for just three or four minutes. My sister just has a quick instruction. Um, and, And Conrad or whoever's at the computer, if you guys could get the video ready, you just tell them when you want to have that video shown, Soraya, and they'll take care of it. Good evening, everybody. I'm so excited to have this time to talk to you about um, Kairos Prison Ministry International. Um, Our mission is um, to share the transforming love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ to impact the hearts and lives of incarcerated men, women, and youth, as well as their families to become loving, productive citizens of their communities. Twice a year, we go to the prison um, my chapter serves Lowell Correctional uh, Institute. It's the second largest prison, uh, women's prison in the country. And we go twice a year. We haven't been for about five years because of COVID and all the things that were going on. But we went back um, this last March. We're going again next month um, from September 14th to the 17th. We ministered to 30 women. And uh, we spend four days in our prison, usually 12 to 13 hours each day with these ladies. And we just drill the word of God. We drill the love of God into their hearts, into their souls. Um, We teach them. We pray together. We worship together. Um, We even make posters together. Um, We share meals. We bring food from the outside to um, pamper them, per se. You know, it it is a, a time about them and to show them that they have worth that they have value, that God loves them, that they have a second opportunity in life and that they can make the good choices to have that second chance in their lives through Jesus. So there's ways that you can get involved. And Pastor has graciously allowed me to put a um, display in the back. And we have one of the ways is donations. I have a little blue jar. We call them quarters for Kairos. Um, But bills go nicely folded inside too. <laughs> but um, we spend anywhere between five, $7,000 each time that we go. And that doesn't include our stay, which we rent a camp to stay. Um, so you can help that way. The Lord always supplies for everything that we need. Um, the other way is prayer. We need prayer. This time we're going into the main law. That place is dark. When I tell you it's dark, it's dark. So we need prayer for protection for us, for our families. So we need prayer for the ladies that we're going to be ministering to. So there's a list in there where you can put your name and we put your name in on this construction paper which becomes a link to a chain and we drape it in the chapel of the prison and we let these women know that all those people are praying for them and it really touches their heart to see like hundreds of strangers just praying for them how come because they don't see the worth that they have inside their hearts they really think so low of themselves so we shower them with love in all these ways and um 
I hope that you guys will join me after the service. I'll be up there for anybody that has any questions. And I'm going to leave you with a video of a testimony um, of this man that his life was changed through Kairos. So God bless you all. Have a wonderful night. Wow, the redeeming power of Jesus. Amen. It's a worthy ministry. We're so excited to join with her. And she's going to be at the back. She can explain any questions or anything. But, sir, I saw your little jar. It's too small. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's, it's about this big because this is a blessing church. And we need big receptacles for when God's people respond to something like this where we can literally... Just like missions, that this coming Sunday we'll be praying for our dear sister Ginger to send her off on the mission field. This is a giving church, so this is a very worthy. I wouldn't put Soraya up here if I didn't believe in the ministry that they're going to do. Amen. So please support her, and don't forget the word of the night, dignification. Amen. (laughs) Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. I love you all.